do you call that scarfing down a pizza? <laughs> I think it it not exactly scarfing. You still got half of it left there. Oh, I mean, man. this isn't just a pizza. This is like it's an. It's Santa Lucia pizza. Oh, it's so delicious. good. Greg Mackling and Tristan Field Jones. We are on the rooftop patio at Santa Lucia. If you haven't figured it out. We are at St. Mary's Road and Marion, just south of the south end of Main Street. If you've never been here before, what are you waiting for? We'd love to see you come down. And we've been telling you for the first few weeks of summer how you can win a $100 gift certificate from Santa Lucia. We've got a couple of winners' names we're going to announce a little bit later mm. in this half hour. We've got, I think, six more to give away. So I want to thank everyone that's gone to cgob.com to enter to win these gift certificates we're like getting hundreds and hundreds of people oh, who want to come to Santa Lucia on us uh, you don't have to come down and use your gift certificate when we're here but we wouldn't mind sure absolutely always appreciate having seeing our listeners and having people pop by it's a great atmosphere it really is uh, lots of people here some here in spite of us some here because of us uh, we just uh, love to see uh, <laughs> mostly in spite though <laughs> mostly in spite <laughs> The uh, roof is partially closed. They have a retractable roof that got put to the test oh, last yes. Friday when we got a, a downpour at about 1.15 last Friday. Yeah. No such chance today, right, Tristan? Uh, well, there is there is a slight chance of a pop-up shower. Hopefully it isn't. I mean, last week's uh, thunderstorm caught everyone by surprise. Uh, I mean, I happened to be here uh, with having lunch with a friend, and uh, oh boy, it started off as a bit of a bit of a rain shower, and then you had to move further and further inside uh, the uh, uh, the patio, and then before you knew it, nowhere was safe. So, uh, but I, I don't think we'll see anything like that today. Okay. I hope not. Anyway. Okay, good. You'll uh, let us know if that changes. Hey, at two o'clock, Brent Bellamy will join us here on the patio. We're going to talk about architecture. Canada Summer Games. We're going to talk about the rail side development uh, that's on the table for the Forks. Lots of controversy, I think, still, Tristan. Uh, people are divided as to whether or not they want to see mixed-use development, if yeah. they want to see residential development at the Forks. And uh, we're going to talk to Brent about that. Well, and, and, and what's interesting, and we'll kind of dive into this a little bit more, but uh, I have fa family members who live in some of the newer homes in North St. Boniface, right by the rail line. And when I go to visit them, uh, you hear the trains all the time. Now, they don't mind it because generally you can sleep okay, but frankly, from my perspective, I don't know if I could deal with that. But to each his or her own, I guess. Oh, you get used to it. Probably. Just ask people in uh, Mount Royal area, St. James, uh, different parts of St. James yeah. that are under the flight path of uh, the Winnipeg airport. Oh, yeah. They get used to those sorts of things. Anyway, we'll talk to Brent about that. And you mentioned that rail side uh, contrast and that idea of whether you want to live that close to a rail line that was one of the first comments that showed up on my twitter feed uh when i initiated and yeah. extended the conversation on that over the weekend at 2 30 we're going to calgary to find out about the calgary olympic bid 2026 winter games will calgary bid will they not how come they're not letting Edmonton help out? Right. We'll ask a couple of different questions. Uh, I've thought that the time may be now for maybe Western Canada, maybe Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, dare I suggest Saskatoon and Regina. Sure. Yeah. Form a joint bid with all the different sports that are required. They may not need nearly as many facilities. And then the investment, the billions of dollars, oh, yeah. anywhere from, from two to four or five billion government dollars that are required to this they can be spread around the benefit can be spread around 
as well as the risk. We'll talk about yeah. that um, in just a little while. But we want you to go to our Facebook page and give us a call. 204-780-6868. You can also text us your answer. But as Brett and I always say, uh, callers get to the front of the line. We yes. love to hear your opinion and your voice. And I want to qualify this because there are folks on Facebook who are who are acting as though this is some sort of proposal it, from government. There's oh. a two-letter two-letter word there that's mm. very very important. What's that? If yes, and it's actually the first word on our Facebook post. It is. It is. If Manitoba were creating a monument similar to Mount Rushmore, what four Manitobans would you have honored? We'd love to hear from you. Who do you think should be on that Mount Manitoba slash Mount Rushmore? I know we don't have any physical or geographical areas where this is a practical thing. Or anything close to a mountain, for that matter. <laughs> for that matter, you know, Baldy Mountain or Mount Baldy. Outriding Riding Mountain, mountain yeah. Probably not going to happen. It's a hypothetical, just an opportunity to celebrate the great things that we've done in Manitoba. And who do you think the greatest Manitobans are? My list includes Nellie McClung, Duff Roblin, Louis Riel, and Terry Fox. Who does your list include, You know, it, it, this was tough for me because, there are, you know, you go through the, the number of Manitobans who made amazing contributions and you just think to yourself, four is not enough. It's like, oh, crap, I forgot this person, I forgot that person. But anyway, so for my list, I agree with you. Nellie McClung and Duff Roblin, both of those two I think are highly important. I would put Burton Cummings on there wow. for what he did. I think his contribution to music and putting Winnipeg on the map. In the Having music his world. name on a theater isn't enough? You're going to put him up in stone I there? think put him up in stone. Okay. This is Manitoba's Mount Rushmore for sure. And someone I think who gets overlooked, Sir William Stevenson. Mm -hmm. The man who is ba who Ian Fleming said he based James Bond off of. The man called Intrepid. Exactly. If you look up William Stevenson, uh, the contributions he made in World War II as a spy and what he did uh, to help out the Allied forces is really remarkable. And we do have a street named after him. I, I know a lot of people would put Terry Fox on this list. Let me explain why I didn't put him on here. I know And why. it's certainly not because uh, his contributions are amazing. But I see Terry Fox more of a, more as more of a national hero. And I think if this is Manitoba's Mount Rushmore, I think we need to look at kind of the Manitobans. Not that Terry Fox is to Manitoban by any means, or not that we're proud that he came from this province, but ultimately, if this is Manitoba's Ru Mount Rushmore, let's look at the people who really put Manitoba on the map, because Terry Fox is a national hero in my mind. Well, he's a national treasure and one of the greatest Canadians of all time. And the fact that we have a holiday named after him, Certainly. one of the best things we've ever done, to, n to honor someone who I think we've up until the last couple of years when this holiday came into effect have done a really um i'd like to use a word in ahead of poor yeah, yeah. poor job yeah. of honoring uh terry fox uh, somebody suggested here <laughs> bob irving and you know what i'm gonna say this without any hesitation you could make a you could make an argument. I think you could make a solid case for having you Bob Irving. You could on there. make a solid case. Doug suggested, "What about the 34th greatest Canadian himself, Hal, Hal Anderson. Anderson?" Hal, um, we'll have to talk about this <laughs> and see if this is actually an option or not. Uh, I don't know if we can have Bob Irving and Hal Anderson. It would be a little yeah, bit self-serving. I was going to say that being a little bit much, yeah. Uh, but uh, once again, this is only hypothetical. Anyway, I know you were going through some of the Facebook uh, suggestions here. How about this one? Because I wanted to take a step back because this is a conversation sports fans have. Yeah. Who's on your hall? You know, who's on your Mount Rushmore for mm. 
for hockey? Who's on your Mount Rushmore for all athletics, right? Uh, a lot of people, if uh, we're going athletics, we're going, uh, for most people, it's going to be uh, Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali, yep. Wayne Gretzky, yep. Jesse Owens. That would probably be my four off the yep. top of my head. This is where this argument or this discussion sort of starts out as all great things yeah. start out after a couple of beers and when you're talking about sports. <laughs> now, our conversation wasn't after a couple of beers, but that's not a bad idea. We need though. to fix that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, some of the uh, It's funny because we have Blaine here saying we have Bobby Hall, Timu Solani, uh, Dieter... Dieter Brock. Dieter Brock and, and Sylvia Kruzik. I think Solange, I think there's something that's missing. That's okay. I, oh, yeah. I have a feeling that uh, the... Uh, Spell check was trying to help a, a little bit. Yeah, that happens to be David here is mentioning Duff Roblin, Stephen Juba, former mayor of Winnipeg, mm -hmm. uh, Izzy Asper, prominent businessman, media tycoon, uh, Louis Riel. Uh, Bradley here says <laughs> Chief Peguis, Louis Riel, me, doesn't know who the fourth one would be. Uh, RJ, uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie, I'm not sure about that one. Mm. Maggie says Louis Riel for sure. Uh, Gay says Tommy Prince, Terry Fox, Duff Roblin, Burton Cummings. There's a nice. Yeah. Combination, and then we get into some of these where where people are not really getting into the spirit <laughs> of the conversation. <laughs> Chris, how about we get the deficit under control and fix our crumbling infrastructure first? I'd rather have affordable health care and the ability to work and live in a reasonable manner. We have enough self-congratulatory effigies that do little to make our province better. Chris. Um, I have news for you. You have no worries here, no fear. We're not doing this. We're not asking anybody for any no. money. This is no, purely I, hypothetical. Yeah. And maybe what's more entertaining is the fact that uh, Chris's Chris <laughs> comment has three likes. likes. <laughs> it's, it's, that's not exactly in the spirit of things. I mean, uh, you might be right, Chris. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure a lot of people would agree with you. Yep. But yep. this is a Friday talker, and, and that's not the point. So just don't worry about it. We, we're not actually proposing that they build something like this. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of, it's amazing. And Greg, we mentioned this off air. It's amazing what that some people will look at posts or articles or, and right. they'll hear or read what they want to read or hear. Right, right. And we're, we're not, we're not suggesting we spend no. a penny of no. public money on this. I'm not even suggesting I would put $5 of my mo own money into no, it. No, no, not at this all. This is hypothetical. This is a conversation. And in celebration of the Canada Summer Games and the incredible job manitoba and winnipeg has done in hosting these games yeah you have done yourselves proud manitoba you've put on your best suit you've shaved you've brushed your teeth your mom has looked yeah. you over and given you that little lick and <laughs> oh you missed the spot there and we've done an incredible job of of having a party and we're so good at doing that we're doing it right now we invite you to come down in fact you know what i'm going to do right now tristan uh oh i have tickets for tonight's concert featuring the fabulous Thunderbirds. It's a part of the 680 CGOB Winnipeg Barbecue and Blues Festival. I have two tickets in my hand. And so the first person that uh, makes their way to Santa Lucia on St. Mary's Road comes up to the patio and says, hey, I heard you on CGOB. I'm trying to whisper here so nobody on the patio yeah. catches on to the fact that we're giving away these tickets. And that you come down, you come and see, uh, come and see Lindsay. She has a pair of Jessica. tickets for oh, Lindsay, Jessica. Jessica, Jessica Kaminsky is here. I get you guys confused all the time. I love you, Jess. Um, she will has a pair of tickets for you. Okay, there's the deal. 
Number four, St. Mary's Road. It's right beside Poulin's. No Poulin with Poulin. Another great advertiser here on 680 CGOB. Why don't we pause, update the weather. Glorious weekend Fantastic. weather forecast. And then we will... Have more conversation about Absolutely. Mount Manitoba. 780-6868, 204-780-6868. Call us, text us, what if, if Manitoba, if, I-F, if Manitoba built capital a Mount Rushmore. Capital I, capital F, exactly, four underlines. Exactly. If we did that, who would you put on our equivalent to Mount Rushmore? We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. 204-780-6868. Weather's next. Greg Mackling with TFJ. Hello. We're on the patio at Santa Lucia, and uh, we're getting a ton of text messages. Some of these are fantastic. <laughs> Daryl just, just texted in, as a hardworking taxpayer and all-around nice guy, I would put myself on Mount Manitoba. <laughs> hey, you know what? Nothing like a, a, a certain amount of, of, of self, uh, what's the opposite of loathing? Uh, Self-promotion. <laughs> Self-promotion, yeah. whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, Daryl, good for you. Hey, Doug. I have to tell you, man, this is a great suggestion, and I think Hal sort of touched on this. Yeah. A virtual idea using technology, and what's better than maybe using the side of one of our beautiful older buildings? Yeah, yeah. Where we had to actually use a projector. A couple of weeks ago, they had that uh, project where they brought, I think it was five signs to lie, uh, painted in light, five of these uh, ghost signs to life in yeah. the exchange district. So Doug says, you know, guys... With today's technology, get that guy who's doing the laser imaging of the old painted signs of on heritage buildings to produce it with the revolving assortment of great Manitobans. I that's fantastic. That's, I love that idea. And that doesn't limit us to four either because Correct. that's the biggest challenge with this is limiting it to four. Right. And you know, you're, you're, you're uh, excluding a lot of very valuable people. Steve says, Monty Hall, Randy Backman, Burton Cummings, and I can't mention the fourth one. That's Steve's <laughs> We could put anyone on a mountain. It would look a heck of a lot better than the art fiasco in Calgary. Oh, boy. Uh, What's that about? I, that's, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, do a Google on public art Calgary. Uh, it's oh, a new no. installation cost. I think it was a half a million dollars. We'll, we'll ask our uh, friend yeah. from 770 Talk uh, Radio uh, when we uh, have the conversation about the Olympics. Randy Backman, Reggie Leach, Bobby Clark, and... A fictional character. Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. That's, you know what? I really like that idea. Mm. I think that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he's fictional, but ultimately born and bred, really, from a bear in Manitoba named Winnie after Winnipeg. Right. Um, you know what? I, I, actually, I really like that idea. Jason says the holiday was long overdue. He's referring to the Terry Fox holiday. It should have been Terry Fox Day long ago. Mm -hmm. Couldn't agree with you more, Jason. And then he uh, had a joking suggestion of Buzz and Boomer. On Mount, could you imagine that? That'd be... Got no, no. Another suggestion here for Winnie the Pooh as well. That's, I like that. You know what, Greg? I really like that idea. I mean, yeah, he's a fictional character, but ultimately I don't think enough people know that... The origins of Winnie the Pooh are from right here in Winnipeg, and if we put that on an equivalent to Mount Rushmore, people would say, "Well, what the heck's Winnie the Pooh doing here?" Well, well how, how many people, how many people didn't realize it was Terry Fox Day on Monday? Exactly. You know, there yep. was a lot of people that were saying, "I didn't even realize that that was the case." I'm going back to Facebook now. Uh, Louis Riel, Danson, Gabe, oh yeah, Fred Penner, and Mark Chipman. I like that, Kyle. Uh, let's see here. We have we have Kathy here saying Terry Fox stuff problem. Andrew Minarski, Nelly McClung. Those are some Andrew solid Minarski, choices. Andrew Minarski, solid choice. 
Uh, oh, yeah, we have another <laughs> comment here that doesn't quite understand what we're asking. Uh, David here, Chief Peguis, Sergeant Tommy Prince, Louis Riel, Nelly McClung. Tommy Prince is, would be another fine uh, suggestion, too. A couple people have mentioned that as well. Yep. Um, and uh, John here saying, I can't see a location that's suitable unless it is staged. It's hypothetical. Yeah, we, we, we know. <laughs> we know there's no natural yeah, location for this. Keep the text coming. We'd love to hear you on the phone as, as well, 204-780-6868. Yep. Now, after Global News and Weather at the bottom of the hour, I'm going to apologize to all the bosses out there. <laughs> oh, no. In advance. What are you cooking up? Well, the Google Doodle today. Oh, no. It is spectacular. If you haven't checked it out, if you haven't been tempted to press the little play icon in the middle of the Google Doodle, do it. And we'll talk about it. We'll play some audio from it. Yes, it has audio attached. In fact, I suspect you could spend your entire day on the Google Doodle today if you were so inclined. We'll tell you all about that when we return to the rooftop patio at Santa Lucia. It's a rough job, but someone's got to do it. Mm. Today it's TFJ and GMAC with you straight through until 4 o'clock. And then... And then what? At the risk of uh, losing control of my emotions, Keith McCullough. Oh, yes. We'll have his last shift on the air here at 680 CJOB. I hope to have him join me on Sports Sunday this uh, weekend. Uh, but Keith is moving on. He's leaving 680 CJOB to pursue another career. And uh, Keith, you're like my little brother. I have three little brothers, and uh, you're like the fourth one, my man. And uh, we'll talk a little bit later with Keith and with Julie Buckingham to queue up the news, which starts at 4 o'clock. Right now it is global news that is next. One more time, I want to congratulate Eric, who uh, got here lickety-split to get those fabulous Thunderbirds tickets. Barbecue and Blues Festival, lots of free entertainment, lots of food down out in front of the Burton Cummings Theatre. That's today and tomorrow. Go down, check it out. Uh, lots of 680 CJOB personalities will be down there to say hello. Great food, great music. How can you go wrong on a great mm -hmm. summer evening? Tristan Field-Jones, Greg Mackling along with you at Santa Lucia Pizza on St. Mary's Road. We're on the rooftop patio. If you've not been here, do yourself a favor. Come on down. Yes. And, uh, you know, you can go to cjob.com. Go to the context, contest tab. Scroll down, and there's an opportunity for you to win a $100 gift certificate to Santa Lucia. We have eight of them to give away through the summer. I'm going to announce two winners right now. We'll give you a call in the next couple days. Kathleen Mira and Joseph Sorokowski. Both of you have won $100 gift certificates to come on down and uh, join the patio slash pizza palooza at Santa Lucia with... Uh, Myself, Brett McGarry, Tristan Field-Jones, it's all kind of a, a yeah. hodgepodge mishmash as we make our way During the through summer. the summer. Uh, we were talking about the Manitoba, Mount Manitoba, the Mount Rushmore of Manitoba, and uh, we've had some really good conversation about this. Great text messages, great Facebook, but no phone calls. 204-780-6868 to uh, lend your voice to this discussion. We had some people a little bent out of shape, Tristan, yeah. thinking that, that we were proposing... That we physically do this. And again, the, 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 just to recap once again, if we built a Mount Rushmore equivalent here in Manitoba, which are the four faces you would put on there? Again, the key word being if. Darren sent us this great text. 
Sarcastically, of course. What are you two guys doing? What a silly subject. How dare you try and start a fun conversation? There's people listening with absolutely no sense of humor. Their goal in life is to keep reminding us that the streets are in disrepair, the government is cutting back, and the sky is falling since the current government got elected. Shame on you. Shame. You both should do the walk of shame from the Game of Thrones. In all seriousness, great subject, boys. I agree with Greg's picks. Have a fantastic weekend. Thank you very much, Darren. Uh, someone else you're texting saying, I love how you guys have really got people stirred up with the hypothetical thing. <laughs> yes, very much so. Uh, we have... Um, Here's uh, a vote for Nelly McClung, Louis Riel, Tommy Prince, <laughs> and Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho. Y2J. Uh, that, thank you, Brett. <laughs> uh, P uh, Peter here texting us saying, I would pick the Pine Street Boys, the Fantastic. Valor Road Heroes, and Fantastic. then Terry Fox maybe Louis Riel, and I'm jealous. Have a good afternoon. No worries, Peter. We're jealous of ourselves right now, I think. Uh, who else do we have here? Four-year wall, Olive Dickinson, Peter Warren. That's a nice choice. Uh -huh. Terry Fox and Stephen Juba. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know what? Uh, somebody mentioned here, Frank says, uh, what about Cindy Clausen? And absolutely, have, uh, that might not be a bad choice. We would love to include Cindy Clausen. And uh, was, oh. it, was it Doug who suggested doing this digitally? Yes. And in that way, we wouldn't have to limit it to four. It does not have to be all men. It could be all women. We don't care. Well, and somebody here, uh, jokingly, and this is hilarious, said uh, we should put Wayne Gretzky on there because he owned the city. Yeah, that, that brings up a lot of memories. We're going to go to the phone lines now. Raven has picked up the phone. 204-780-6868. Good afternoon, Raven. Good afternoon. I'd like to see Bugs Bunny, Sammy Sam, and you on there. <laughs> Thanks, Raven. Appreciate that very much. I, d I don't know how I got in there, but Bugs Bunny and Yosemite Sam, not exactly Manitoban, but they do have a connection to Manitoba. And I think the last name is McKinnon, is the artist who created mm. and was responsible for drawing those. And in fact, I have a lithogram, and I, there's probably about 1,500 other people that have this. It was a limited edition. It was created just before the Jets left in 1996. And it honored the connection between Winnipeg and the Disney characters. And so it features a bunch of Disney characters as legendary Winnipeg Jets. Nice. And That's pretty awesome. And it's, and it's autographed by all the same players. So it's one of my prized possessions. So uh, Raven kind of accidentally uh, yeah. tying it all together for us. I, while you talk to Maureen, I'm going to Google that. Sure. Maureen, you're uh, on with Mackling and McGarry, interest in Fuel Jones here. What would your selections be? Well, being from Selkirk, I would say Senator Murray Sinclair, okay. as well as the, the Dufferin Gang, which was a military unit of about eight to ten guys from Dufferin Street in Selkirk. If you Google it, there's actually a, a memorial being made for them in Selkirk. They're amazing people. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else okay. on there? or? Uh, no, I agree with all the rest. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's tough. Well, thank you very much, Maureen. And, yeah, you know, it really is difficult trying to pick for people to go on that uh, on our own Mount Rushmore. And you, you really, it's, fu it's funny, Greg, when I was looking through the Wikipedia page for Winnipeg and you look at list of famous people for Winnipeg, mm -hmm. and I think you, I showed it to you there, uh, <laughs> you scroll through on your phone and like the first seven or eight swipes are all hockey players. Yes. Hockey, 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 yes. hockey, hockey. Yeah, you know, and uh, somebody mentioned uh, Bobby Clark. 
And then somebody texted, Bobby Clark is an embarrassment uh, to be included in there. So there you go. Right here, Google his comments about Roger Nielsen. No thank you to that suggestions. Clara Hughes, absolutely another uh, fine suggestion. And did I hear Robert is on the line, Jeff Fortier? We'll go to Robert. Hi there. Hi, Robert. Go ahead. Thanks for taking time to Hi join there. our discussion today. Great, great. Billy Mosey ankle? <laughs> yeah, baby. Oh, there you go. Yeah, like nobody's going to break that record. You got that right. Nellie McClana. McClung. Yep. Louis Riel. Yep. And uh, the lady who signed the contract after the Battle of the Seven Oaks, who Ooh. allowed the Selkirk settlers to stay in Manitoba to start our province. I can't remember her name. I'm sorry. Okay, we're going to have to do some research on that. That's so. That's a not a bad suggestion. Female, a woman uh, signatory. Uh, I guess that was a uh, uh, after the battle after the battle of Seven Oaks. Okay, yeah. we'll look into that. Uh, my Manitoba history is good. Clearly, it's not good enough. No, Robert. Thank you yeah. very much. We appreciate that. Who else is on the yeah, line, Jeff? Yeah. Harsh, harsh. Go ahead. Harsh. Thanks for taking time. Yeah, my suggestion is we need the two. Uh, Hudson the Bear and Hal Anderson. <laughs> Hal Anderson gets another, another vote. Another nod, yeah. No wonder he got number 34. Yeah, yeah, he's got a Creative lot of support Canadian. here. It really does. Yeah. Uh, it, interesting that, uh, thank you very much, Harsh. Uh, interesting that, uh, I've, I'm just trying to keep track of this here, uh, the, some of the few suggestions we've had, uh, and the woman who signed that accord for the, sev the Battle of Seven Oaks, I think that's the first time anyone has brought that up. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to think, are there any of these other suggestions that have come up only once. I th I know I mentioned Sir William Stevenson. I don't know if anybody else mentioned that. We know, uh, uh, Cuthbert Grant, here's one for the first oh, that's time a new one. for Cuthbert Grant yeah. and for, for Lord Selkirk. So uh, some tremendous suggestions. Why don't you keep texting them? We will revisit this conversation later on this afternoon. Uh, I had no idea it would catch on the way it did. Yeah. Uh, in spite of some people being a little bit negative and pardon the terminology, Nellie's, right. about this. Uh, keep them coming on Facebook as well. Uh, talk to your friends, and, uh, you know, this is something. And, Doug, I love the idea of doing this digitally. I know I promised that we were only doing this hypothetically, but now you've got me thinking. Yeah. There might be to do a uh, way to do this literally. I know there's a Winnipeg Citizens Hall of Fame in Assiniboine Park. Did you know that? Yes, yes, I did, absolutely. In the very southeast corner? I actually believe if you, if you take Corridon... Uh, uh, down there, so Corden from like Tuxedo from River mm -hmm. Heights. If you go, if you take there, I believe it's that first gate. The yeah, I believe the very first person from that direction is Stephen Juba. Fantastic. And Gabriel Roy is there as well. Okay, so how about we'll do this? We're gonna take a break, and I promise this, and I already apologize to the bosses uh, for uh, potentially taking <laughs> your employees away from their work for uh, several minutes or maybe several hours this afternoon. Uh, we're going to play for you some audio from the Google Doodle. If you're at a computer, go check it out. Uh, just google.ca and then press play, the play icon on today's Google Doodle. You'll be blown away. If you like music even just a little bit, you'll find it highly entertaining. We'll share with you what that's all about on the other side of weather. And we're also going to try something else on the phone here. We're going to open up the phone lines for 68 seconds. And what you're going to do is you're going to phone in and you're going to give us our, your prediction on the Blue Bombers-Hamilton Tiger Cats game tomorrow. 6.30 right here on CJOB. 4 o'clock is the pregame show with Doug Brown and Bob Irving, whose name's been mentioned at least twice uh, yes. to be on Manitoba's Mount Rushmore. So, um, Jeff, if you can line those calls up now for the Blue Bomber 
uh, predictions. Let's see if we can make this happen. This is an idea of my boss. So if it doesn't go anywhere, it's not my fault. Right. It's his fault, okay? 204-780-6868. If you'd like to make a prediction on the Blue Bomber Tiger Cat game tomorrow afternoon, your latest weather forecast is next. Hey, Jeff, I know you're answering phones there. Uh, Jeff Forche holding things down, holding down the fort back at uh, Master Control. Always doing a fantastic job, always with a smile on his face. My only regret, DFJ, is that he's not with us today. Yeah, uh, well, we need somebody to push buttons back at the station. Yeah, well, uh, Jeff is such a great guy. We've got John Wall here, and Jessica Kaminsky is here with us yes. as well. Hey, Last Friday at this time, we were encouraging you to go down to Shaw Park yes. to support Team Toba, the boys' baseball team mm -hmm. versus Team Saskatchewan. We filled the park. Good on you, Winnipeg. Close to well 7,000 people. It yeah. was incredible. Well, tonight at 7.30 at the Ralph Contafio Soccer Complex, the old Winnipeg Soccer Complex. It now has Ralph Contafio's name on it on Waverly. 7.30, Team Toba, the boys play Alberta in the semifinal. Would love to see a full house there. So if you're looking for something to do, I think that's the the uh, Canada Games uh, event that you'd like to yeah. go and check out. Oh, I'm not making priorities for you, but uh, if I was able to go, that's where I'd be going tonight. Ralph Contafio uh, Soccer Complex at 7.30 tonight. And I want to thank Eldon for popping by. He and his family were having lunch here, and uh, he popped by to say hello. And uh, he says, oh, finally I know what you look like after all these years. So thanks for listening, Eldon. Is that a good or a bad thing? I never know when people <laughs> say that, quite frankly. Um, 68 seconds on the clock, Fort J. 68 seconds on the clock. All right, let's get your Blue Bomber predictions. We are going to start with Darren. Darren, let's get a prediction from you, sir. It is. You there? I'm here. Are you there? Oh, 43 to 6, Bombers. Holy crow, Darren. 43 to 6. Okay, thanks, buddy. Yes. We're going we're to go to Mary now. Mary, what's your prediction? I predict the Bombers 28-16. 28-16. Mary says they're not coming home without a victory. Tony. Yes, right. <laughs> thank you so much, Mary. Tony, Blue Bombers, Tiger Cats, what's going to be the score tomorrow night? Bombers, 26-23 in overtime. Oh, there oh. we go. Yeah, I don't think those Tiger Cats are going to roll over and play dead for us. Tony, thanks for that. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And uh, Larry, I know, is on the line. Larry, what's what's your... Larry's gone. Okay. Well... Anybody else? T uh, Jeffrey? Okay, Jeff is answering the phone right now. If we get We've got about another 15, 16 seconds here in order to get your predictions. Uh, that was only a guess on my part. Were you watching right. the clock? No, I wasn't. Randy, what's the score in the Bomber game tomorrow night? 33-26, Bombers. 33-26, Bombers. I'm writing all these down. Uh, no yep. prizes on the line. I'm working on prizes. For that. All right. <laughs> That's <laughs> your 68 seconds. Holy I moly. It. I love it. Right to the minute. Thanks, uh, thanks, Randy. Appreciate it. Right to the second. Yeah. Here to see Jeff Forche. I'm writing all these down, and uh, you will have, uh, if, if you nail this, I think Shadow was off one point mm. of the Ottawa-Winnipeg game last week, if I'm not mistaken. So you will, you will have the uh, honor of being the best predictor. Maybe we'll do this again in the next hour, just before yeah, the, uh, we have just a before the uh, 3 o'clock news I, on it's, Global. It's a huge range of scores here. Some people saying it goes to overtime. Other mm -hmm. people, like we, we had uh, Darren, 43-6 Winnipeg. Right. 
you, you know, I mean, I, I, I know, you know, um, football is completely different from in terms of scoring. Like, you have to take each game individually, right? Just yes. because Hamilton sucks doesn't mean they'll suck every single game. Well, the, so six in a row, though, they, oh, they have, a, yeah. you know, established a certain pattern. Yeah, there. exactly. But it's uh, you also certainly can't get complacent with losers either. Nope. Okay, Google Doodle. If you haven't checked it out already, here's some audio from that. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Fab Five Freddy, direct from New York City. Today, we're celebrating one of the most important innovations in hip-hop music, the break. On August 11th, 1973, a DJ named Cool Herc threw a back-to-school party in the boogie-down Bronx that changed music as we know it. Using two turntables, he extended the instrumental breaks, allowing people... Now, this is the crossfader. This is used to mix the beats. You drag it all the way to the right. You can use the crossfader. There's even a virtual basket of music Ooh, that you can lay down. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was doing it right off the top. I, I got <laughs> what happened? Greg got carried away and he left the recorder on, and I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! This is for radio." Whoops. Uh, yeah, and I, oh, and I, I should get back to work. How long were you on it? Uh, I actually did the responsible thing, and I closed it the moment you showed it to me because I knew <laughs> that I was not going to be here. Yeah, I think uh, I think I ran the recorder for eleven. <laughs> Well, you know what's really interesting is that uh, uh, the the origins kind of, of hip-hop and, and rap as we know it today was actually a backlash to disco in the late 70s. Sure. Started, and what they would do initially is they'd take guitar riffs from disco songs and they'd loop it. And they'd, you know, they'd, they'd, do, uh, uh, they'd spin the record, so to speak, quite literally. And that would be, that, that's the very, very beginnings of hip-hop. Well, you'd, ha you'd have the, the, ba the backbeat, and then they would mix the two. And so on the Google Doodle, you can actually go through a virtual bin of mm. some of the more iconic backbeats. And you can drop them onto the turntable. I even discovered you can scratch a little bit. Yeah. And you can earn points uh, easily. You could spend your entire afternoon doing this. Uh, yeah. More than one afternoon. Yeah, I'm going to have to go. Uh, I don't know. I guess I have to host a show. Yeah, you do. After all. Hey, uh, thanks for tuning in this afternoon. It's Mackling, No McGarry. TFJ is here. Uh, TFJ and Kelly Moore will be with you on Monday, Tuesday. And then Brett's back. Brett's correct? back on Wednesday, yes. And, uh, and he's, I'm he's off to some golf tournament this weekend. Yeah, and Oak and Island uh, out near Verdon. And... Uh, they're going to have great weather. Just about anywhere you are mm. in Manitoba is going to have great weather, including up in cottage country, and we should probably update the cottage country forecast for you in just a moment here. In fact, let's do it next. <laughs> well, all our callers seem to think the Blue Bombers are going to have no problem pulling off a victory in Hamilton tomorrow night. Doug Brown nor I were prepared to go out on a limb yeah. that long, that large, on the Bomber podcast this past week. Uh, you can download it, share it, subscribe. We'd love to... Have you join us? Uh, I just uh, you're going in to play a team that's 0 and 6, and you're as a football team three plays away from being 1 and 5 yourself. The Blue Bombers, I'm speaking of. Uh, it's going to be an interesting afternoon. Our pregame coverage gets underway at 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Then the kickoff just after 6:30 here on 680 CJOB. A good friend of this program. Uh, I consider him a friend in my personal life. Brent Bellamy joins us now. And uh, Brent, have to ask you before we get into the conversation we brought you on for Canada Games. The pictures of the Forks in particular have been absolutely spectacular, regardless of what you feel about the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, the Winnipeg sign. Uh, no matter 
where you fall on either of those issues. They've served as terrific backdrops, and Winnipeg has really done itself proud the last couple of weeks. That's for sure. It's amazing to see the city. It's weird to see your own city on television and look at it <laughs> yeah. as if you're a tourist. It's, and it's been really amazing. The support's been amazing. I think it's really, you know, we're on the map for sporting events like that for, because we've been doing it for a long time with the Pan, or Pan Am Games. But I think we're really showing proud in this, and it's great to watch and, and be a proud Winnipegger. You know, and uh, we wanted to talk about the forks, the future of the forks, uh, in particular the rail side uh, redevelopment of, of land that is now a gravel parking lot, but uh, pretty soon will we'll be much more than that. Uh, but the forks exhibits what's possible, right, when you, when you marry... Maybe not perfect design, but a combination of uses, right? Because yeah. there's really every type of use there now, except for one, and, and that's probably going to change as well. I'm talking about residential. Yeah, the last piece that's missing at the Forks is really having a community there. It, it's a great tourist attraction, and it's a wonderful place for us to go on a summer evening or you know skating in the winter. But it doesn't have that permanent population, and it really needs it to be sustainable and, and to make those markets flourish and um, and to really be a place that's 24 hours inhabited and, and that's the key to it and, and you know what's remarkable is uh, I went a couple weekends ago I went with a friend of mine just went for a walk to the forks Sunday afternoon it was fantastic tons and tons of people there walking the river trails yeah. going about and to me the moment you cross that rail line into downtown it's almost a, an entirely different city yeah. nobody around surface parking lots everywhere and I'm always in favor. Anytime you have a gravel lot or surface parking lot and somebody wants to redevelop it, go for it. Yeah. And it's just, I, I, I really, you look at the forks and what they've done there, and I just wish that there'd be more of that initiative downtown. I feel as if, and with the likes of True North Square as an example, we need more stuff like that to bring people downtown because Sunday afternoon, it really is two entirely different cities. Yeah, the Forks is really an island. It, it could almost be anywhere. The, yeah. fact, the fact that it's downtown is almost inconsequential to it. Um, it could be out at Assiniboine Park. Uh, but I do think that with this new rail side development, um, it will provide an opportunity to actually bridge over that rail line and to make connections to the downtown because it will be an urban community. And it will be... People, the people that will live there will work downtown, they will shop downtown, and there'll be a, a better connection between the Forks and downtown. And hopefully it, it spawns more development directly across the rail line and yeah. where all those empty parking lots, I can see that becoming where the Forks really has a real effect on downtown with this new development. You and I have talked for years about the possibility of rail line relocation, the CN main line running right through the heart of our city. Mm -hmm. We must be one of the last major cities to to be doing this. Yeah, it seems crazy to me that we don't look at it with real earnest. Like it seems like it's we look at it just as a dream that's impossible, but so many other cities have done it and because the the rail line goes through such prime land in Winnipeg, it, it would really open up opportunity not just downtown, but all the way across the entire city. And we you know, we're spending whatever it is, 150 million dollars to dig a tunnel underneath it. Uh, we're having to replace the Arlington Bridge soon. We're, we're going to spend billions of dollars anyways dealing with it. it. It's a bit of a shame that we're not being proactive and, and taking a step back and, and deciding what to do long term about that because it would have a huge impact of, on the forks. And, and I've mentioned to you, and this turned up in uh, my timeline on Twitter over the weekend, as did a tweet from you about 
the future of the rail side uh, development and property at the at the forks and that's the high line in new york yeah. it's been mm -hmm. replicated in chicago several other cities where they've reclaimed uh, these prominent rail lines that are elevated above the ground and they serve just in fascinating purpose and incredible opportunity for recreation and Paris for tourism did something too. like that too. I think I it think originated in Paris. I think Paris yeah. is, right, is you're right, the first to do it. Hey, can you imagine having a linear parkway from St. Boniface through the, the forks all the way through downtown in into the suburbs? I, it would just be That'd an be amazing thing. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things, I've never been to New York City, but just from a tourist perspective, one of the things I want to do is just take a day and walk down the High Line, yeah. just to it's see amazing. the sights from it. Yeah. And I've, it I've seen pictures of it. But, you know, Greg, you brought this up too. A lot of people, when they see the rail side development, when they see people who want to move by there, they say, oh, I'd never live next to a rail line. Kind of, you know, had a similar story too. I used to live in, with my family, used to live on St. Mary's Road right here, just a few houses down. And one of the biggest complaints was, well, you're right on St. Mary's Road. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I look at this and I just think, What's, what's wrong with people here? I mean, yeah. I get it. It can be noisy and distracting, but ultimately, you may not want to move there, but surely there's a market for it. There's a lot of people that don't mind living near rail lines, and it's actually surprising if you look at Winnipeg, there's a lot of housing that does butt right onto rail lines. There, you know, Greg, you pointed out the, the development in St. Boniface mm -hmm. at near Whittier Park is right beside that exact same high line. And, but even all the way down Pembina Highway, there's a, a rail line that runs all the way down there, and it's p in literally in people's backyards. And you, you, you really, you get used to living in those kind of situations. It's no different than living close to a road or other, other sort of white noise that happens. And you can actually deal with it architecturally with buildings that are, you know, built with triple-pane windows, those kind of things, um, using brick instead of stucco to, to make the building a little more solid, better foundation so that so the building doesn't vibrate, because vibration is really the key to it. Yep. If you can stop the vibration, that then you, you can make those kind of that kind of housing really great places to live in. Brent, Melly, Brent Bellamy knows a thing or two about what he's talking about. He's an architect, number 10 architecture group, and also chairperson right now of the Center Venture. Yep. Yeah, so <laughs> always great to have you here, Brent, and to, to talk a little bit about Winnipeg and the future of our city. Uh, True North Square is capturing a lot of imagination, a lot of attention. Looks good. So far, so good. Yeah. Uh, wh what do you think, your overall impression of the project as it's developing and, and as it's uh, been promised? Because quite often you get these conceptual drawings, and then when they start building, it's like, hey, where's that component? <laughs> yeah, right. Where's that component? <laughs> They're missing a tower. What's going on here? <laughs> and it seems as though uh, it's only bigger and better than what the conceptual drawings yeah. uh, were promising. It's pretty cool to see it right now because you're, you're right now getting a feeling of what that space is going to feel like. You Earlier, it was sort of everything was two, three stories, but now they're up, I think, to six or seven. And you get a, a feeling of what it's going to be like to be inside that space. Uh, especially if you see pictures, they have a, a, a camera, a webcam that shows what it looks like as the construction is coming up and it's pretty exciting. I think it's going to be like something Winnipeg has never seen. We don't really have a plaza since the city hall was torn down in the 60s. We don't really have a plaza, an urban plaza for Winnipeggers to gather at. I mean, they still close down Portage and Maine when they have something <laughs> important to yeah. talk about. Um, so this will really shift the focus of, of downtown, the center of gravity of downtown. And I think it's going to be a really great place for us to celebrate the Jets winning the Stanley Cup. And I can't wait to do that. <laughs> Which will happen next oh, year. Brent Bellamy Brent. predicting. Oh, Brent. It's going to happen. 
It has to it's happen. It's going to be the best day ever. <laughs> I, you know, I thought uh, you couldn't top May 31st, 2011, but, you know, now we're a little greedier, it's right? true. Now that the Jets are back. so <laughs> And we had a taste of the playoffs, too. That's it's like, well, yeah, wait a minute. Very yeah. small taste. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, let's uh, stick to Portage in Maine. Any indication of when we might see some construction on that artist REIT, 40-story uh, uh, residential tower, the, the, the rental apartments that... Once again, in the renderings, it looks spectacular, and what an addition will be to Graham and Maine. Yeah, that's going to be a really important piece as well. I think bringing residential to Portage and Maine, I always have a fight with Bartley Kivas on Twitter about this. I call it Portage and Maine because it's really connected to Portage and Maine sure. as a single complex. Um, I think that's going to be really important for the center of downtown there because, you know, right now, as we know, the barricades are up there, and it's really not a place for people. But I think once we have whatever i think it's 400 residential units right at portage and maine there i think that'll provide an impetus to begin making it a, a bigger place for people to bring down those barricades bring things like a grocery store which is part of the plan for for the artist redevelopment and I, I think it'll really transform that that intersection in a way that it has never been before to actually have people living there has, has never been a thing at portage and maine and i think it's going to be it's going to change it forever and I do hear that it's, like, I know it's going through the, the process right now, and I know they, they hope to start construction soon. I've heard in the fall. That'd be That's fabulous to see another absolutely. crane there. And uh, prediction still, you and I have been talking about this, I think it's five years now. Sky City, do we see a crane go up on that property, or are you allowed to say in your new role with Center Venture? I keep hearing that it's more real than you think. And I know it's been a long time. It's a huge project. And they are starting uh, demolition of the St. Regis Hotel, so there is some work happening within the, the Fortress Development Group. Um, I'm still keeping my fingers crossed that it's real, because that would be transformational. It would, it's just a massive project for the city. Why don't we take a break? Yeah. And then uh, we're going to ask you a little bit uh, about uh, modular shipping containers. Uh, you found a, a fascinating uh, article mm -hmm. here. Are they real, really affordable housing as an option, and are they viable mm -hmm. in our climate? And before we go uh, to uh, weather, your Mount Rushmore, you had uh, a couple of interesting suggestions. Well, my key one would be David England. Most people don't know who that is. But he's the guy who actually is responsible for putting all the elm trees on all the boulevards across Winnipeg. Imagine Winnipeg without the elm trees. Yep. It, it's, been, it's defined our city for the last hundred years. And he's somebody that we, we should know more about, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, let's start the conversation. We've done so <laughs> right here. We'll take a pause. Uh, your weather forecast is next. Greg Mackling, Tristan Field, Jones along with Brent Bellamy here on the patio at Santa Lucia, St. Mary's Road, number four St. Mary's Road for your GPS, right beside Poulins. Brent is an architect, number 10 architecture group and the chairperson of Center Venture. And uh, Brent, I got a text message here. Uh, uh -huh. Tim says, rapid transit is a waste of money. Invest in rail. It'll, I'll be retired before rapid transit is finished. Uh, how excited are you to see uh, that Rapid transit extension go right to the stadium. Yeah, I think it's about time that we've finished our first leg. I mean, <laughs> it's difficult to have a discussion about rapid transit until there's a bit of a network. It's like every other transportation system. You wouldn't, you couldn't talk about how effective a road is if you only built four blocks of it and didn't connect it to any other roads. It's the same with bike lanes. You need a network, and 
we won't see the full impact of rapid transit until there's two or three real lines that connect downtown and connect to each other uh, going across the city. And, and so I'm glad that there's the first one happening. I'd, I'm one of those people who doesn't hate the bus rapid transit as opposed to rail. I would love it to be rail just because of the big city feel. But I do see the reality of the cost. And I do think having bus rapid transit, because the buses can leave the rapid transit and then travel through neighborhoods, that there, there is less transferring that you do see in cities like Calgary. Well, what people don't realize, if you've never lived in Calgary as I have, when you do use uh, the C train, you either have to drive, yeah, walk, exactly. or take a bus to a C train station and then get on the train yeah. to head to your destination, unless, of course, you live in some sort of transit-oriented development, which is very minimal yeah. in Calgary. They did not have that vision for the, for the initial C train lines, and so you don't see apartment buildings on top of the yeah. C train line like you may and we anticipate seeing uh, as part of the uh, Southwest Transit Corridor. Uh, we want to talk to you real quick because we're running out of time as we always do with you, Brent. <laughs> uh, shipping containers, they're cool, but the headline says not affordable housing. Right. I, I found this I found this article really interesting. It's off of Politico here. It actually shows a picture of a shipping container mm. condo building being built in Detroit. It's really neat. But what's interesting is they kind of drill down the numbers in terms of uh, the contractors you need, they're saying you need specialized contractors to put these together. They're saying that you need to work, uh, you need to do special work for the wiring, for uh, piping, that yep. sort of thing. Yep. Uh, I love the idea of using shipping containers. Reduce, reuse, recycle, I'm all for it. Yep. But can these actually help, like some people claim, could they actually help with you know, the homeless population or with the low-income renters? Could they actually, is there more to it than that? You know, I think we're going to look back on the shipping container era in 20 years and go, what the heck was that all about? <laughs> <laughs> because it's a cool idea, and it is really good for things like kiosks, um, pop-up restaurants, um, doing things that are sort of not, not changing the nature of the shipping container too much, because that's the efficiency. Once you start to take the thing apart, it loses its structural integrity. You, you then have to replace the structure back in. And one of the biggest issues with it is they d they're not really a human dimension. Once you put insulation in and plumbing and all that kind of stuff, it becomes about seven foot six, a little less than eight feet wide. And so I don't know how many rooms in your house are eight feet wide or seven yeah, foot six. Yeah. Like the washroom basically is the only one that can be that wide. So it's a really cool idea, but I don't see it as a long-term solution for affordable housing. And, and I also think that there is a sort of an issue of, of dignity that comes into it. If you're building housing that there, if you don't have a choice to live in, you might think it's cool, I might think it's cool, but you can't force an opinion like that on somebody that doesn't have an option but to live there or not. Yeah. And so we shouldn't be doing, in my opinion, we shouldn't be doing architectural experiments on social housing, on affordable housing, and those kind of things. Because to me, we should just want those kinds of buildings to just fit into our community and to not be look at me buildings, but just to, to seamlessly fit in. So there is a, a bit of dignity for the people that live there. Well, because then it could become a punchline, right? Oh, Absolutely. where do you live? I live in a shipping container. Yeah. Hot, you know, I mean, so I see your perspective yeah, there. Exactly. I, I, yeah, exactly. Again, I, if I think, I'm obviously not the expert in here, but I just, I think it's such a great idea a great way to reuse there them. are if great we, if yeah. we can though and that's yeah. that's the thing unfortunately reality sets in and well like I, in montreal i just came back from montreal they have an entire waterfront uh retail 
network that happens there, and it's all these shipping containers where people just pop them up and they sell T-shirts from them. Some of them are restaurants, some of them are little bars. It's amazing, and that's really where the where the shipping containers are in their own because it, there's minimal modification. They close right up. They're completely secure at night, and it creates a really cool aesthetic uh, on, a yeah. s on something like the waterfront. We could do that here at the Forks. It would be amazing. Yeah, Brent, thanks for this. Thanks for your insight. Thanks for your pride, your love of Winnipeg, because uh, there are, are not enough of us <laughs> out there who tout uh, the wonderful things about our city, go around the world, take a look and go, we need this, we deserve this yeah. in Winnipeg. Agreed. And I think sometimes it's uh, about realizing that we do deserve it here and uh, you are a great ambassador uh, for that. So I appreciate you and thanks, thanks for your much. time today. Anytime you want me, I'm here. Brent Bellamy, architect. You can find his work in the Winnipeg Free Press. He's everywhere. He's chairperson of Centre Venture as well. We are honored to call him a friend. We'll great take a Twitter break. account as well. If you ever oh, want to look course. for other things, of course. His Twitter is way better than mine. <laughs> I follow him on Twitter and I look at that. I think, well, there's a dream right there. I read a lot of work, a lot of Brent stuff. <laughs> Brent underscore Bellamy, two L's A M Y. We'll take a pause and it's global news and weather with the Clayman next. Greg Mackling, Tristan Field-Jones, John Wall, Jessica Kaminsky. We're all here at Santa Lucia Pizza. John, sorry if I outed you. Maybe you're supposed to be doing something else. No, it's okay that you're here? Providing massive technical support and, of course... And moral support. <laughs> very much moral support. Uh, how's the pizza, John? Awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. Hey, uh, if you'd like to come and join us for Patio Palooza, go to cgob.com and pull down the contest tab and then you can enter to win a $100 gift certificate to come and join us next Friday for Patio Palooza with Brett McGarry and Tristan Field-Jones. I will be on holidays next week. Oh and uh, Jessica Kaminsky is conspicuous by her absence, but she's left the table for a reason. Uh-oh. She's downstairs, she's outside by the front door, and the next person who pulls up, comes to see Jessica and says... I heard you on 680 CJOB giving away tickets to the Blind Boys of Alabama for tomorrow night as part of 680 CJOB's prese presentation of Barbecue and Blues happening down Burton Cummings Theater, indoors and out. Mm -hmm. Free stage outside, barbecue competition, food, you name it, it's down there. And then uh, the headline acts inside that you need tickets for. We have a pair of tickets for tomorrow night's show featuring Rami Mays and the Blind Boys of Alabama. So come on down to Santa Lucia, find Jessica Kaminsky outside the front door, and we've got tickets for you. <laughs> for you. For you. I love that. For you. I love. I just. I always love it when uh, Greg ends some of his sentences where he'll say, say something. I know I'm supposed to jump in, but I. I like to process it sometimes because it makes it that much more enjoyable. Well, I'm supposed to set you up better than that. I was no, that's no, no. That's okay. Because yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm processing it. It's like, wait a minute, Tristan. You have a microphone in front of you. You're supposed to talk. It's <laughs> part of your job. Um, we. We're going to switch gears here a little bit. We're going to sure. talk about the Olympics. Um, and uh, we've got a reporter with News Talk 770 on the line, John Himpy. We'll get to him in just a second. But Greg, uh, well, Calgary's uh, looking to uh, uh, place a bid for the Winter Olympics. Potentially. Potentially. I know you pulled up a global report. I did. Uh, and uh, here are our friends from Global to give us a little bit of background. 
Whitney Dragland was as little as her newborn baby when the 1988 Olympics took over Calgary. I think I was one or two when the 88 Olympics came by and I went as a child, so I think it'd be kind of neat to be able to do that with mine as well. So The support for the city to make an Olympic bid for 2026 rings true for a lot of Calgarians. Calgary um, was kind of put on the international stage at the last Olympics. I think um, we have a great city here that uh, Obviously, I'd like to share with the world again. I love the Olympics. I watch it every year, both the winter and summer. I'd be excited about it, but I'm concerned that we can't afford it. This is maybe not the time. In Post Media's poll, among those who support another Games coming to Calgary, 11% believe it would be good for the economy. 18% cited the entertainment value, while 64% support the bid for civic pride. Those opposed were primarily concerned with the cost or just not interested in the Games. Winsport says their economic impact study showed that the facilities built because of the 88 Olympics has helped them generate more than $120 million a year for the city. The challenge we face now is that model was never designed to, uh, to replenish capital. And we, we have some, some challenges uh, due to the fact that you know, the original assets are, are end of life. There really is a need to look at our soon-to-be 40-year-old facilities uh, and figure out a way to keep them going. And is the Olympics a good way of getting that needed infrastructure in those facilities? But rebuilding the Olympic dream will involve more than just a promise to keep training world-class athletes. It has to be realistic and cost-effective. If we can't figure out a way to do those things, uh, then I'm sure the council will agree not to proceed with the bid. After the recommendation is reviewed this summer, council will then decide if they want to put forth a formal bid by sometime next year. And joining us now, it's John Himpy. He's a reporter with our sister station, News Talk 770 in Calgary. John, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, my first question for you is, uh, what's the latest on this? Before we get into the sentiment and how people are feeling, uh, what's going on here? Is there any progress on this front? Well, as Calgary City Council took their summer, summer break, uh, they had one last vote on this topic before kind of breaking off. And... Uh, you know, not exactly a unanimous vote. Nine to four, they've decided to continue looking at the process, but they set out a number of conditions uh, that they say, without these conditions being met, the city should not go forward with a bid. So things like, you know, having all three levels of government cover the capital costs, uh, having security costs not covered by the city, uh, but having other levels of government. They want to see the IOC kind of crack open the po their pocketbook and, and share a bit when it comes to those sponsorship dollars, those broadcast right dollars that they get in, which is big bucks, uh, to cover the operating costs of the Olympics. And there's a recognition here that the city can only spend so much. And at some point, if it becomes too rich for our blood, um, you know, it, we have to tap out. And I think that, as we're going into an election this fall, I think that's going to be a really key question on the doorstep for a lot of these uh, politicians who are seeking re-election, you know, as uh, um, I, there, there isn't, I, I don't want to say blanketly that there isn't an appetite in Calgary for uh, money to be spent on the Olympics, but I would say that this is a very fiscally conservative city, and so the question then becomes, is, is it really worth it for us to do this? John, uh, you know, there are a couple of layers to this in my mind, and one of them has to do with 
the failed attempt to, to create the Calgary Next project. And for those that are unfamiliar with it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it was a massive field house project along with essentially a dome stadium for the Calgary Stampeders and a new home for the Calgary Flames that was going to be uh, built just to the west of the downtown for those that know Calgary, just north of the Greyhound Bus Depot. And that deal seems to have gone completely sideways. There, you know, there was zero appetite really for any public money to go into that project. Are, are, are these issues in any way connected in your mind, John? Well, when it comes to Calgary Next, you have to remember there, there's also some other issues uh, that are underlying to Calgary Next, not the least of which is the land that that, that project would be sitting on um, right now is contaminated. Uh, there is creosote in the ground. Uh, the reclamation project that would have to be undertaken would take years, and it would take millions upon millions and upon millions of dollars. And so City Council doesn't necessarily have a, an appetite to put money toward that project, they instead have proposed an, an alternative alternate project closer to the Saddle Dome, which, by the way, I mean, you know, we all, it's kind of funny, as we get older, we tend to forget um, 1988 doesn't seem that long ago to a lot of us, I think, but the Saddle Dome, which was built even prior to 88, but back in the early 80s, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not the young um, stadium that it used to be or young arena that it used to be. It's, uh, in fact, most of the arenas of its vintage, of that construction, are long since gone. So, you know, there, that, there is a question about building an arena that, that could be a thing. Um, Calgary Next doesn't have a whole lot of support on the city council, um, and that, that's where this alternate proposal has come up. The Flames still believe that Calgary Next is a going concern. Uh, as far as they're concerned, they're going to keep on pushing that kind of thing forward. But, um, you know, I think when it comes to building this kind of infrastructure, there is a bit of a, an undertone. You see this in the comment section. You hear it in the coffee shops, which is, why are we building a facility for millionaires? And, and even if it does, say, prop up the Olympics for, you know, two weeks in 2026, um, is, it, is there that long-term feasibility of having that facility? I guess that's the, my next question. You sort of answered it there. Uh, there are some folks who wonder if this is just a back door for Calgary to get federal funding for something that, for the last two or three decades, the federal government has not been funding, and that's uh, public use or private use uh, recreational slash entertainment complexes. Well, I, I think in this case, the Bid Exploration Committee has kind of carved out the idea that a, a new arena is a separate conversation from from the the conversations about the infrastructure needed for uh, an, an Olympics bid. And let's face it, even though some of the infrastructure here is at end of life. It's, some of it is in very good condition. The Olympic Oval, for example, has been really well maintained over the course of time. But then you look at something like the ski jump, which is no longer in, in service. It's, it's not exactly a, uh, a piece of infrastructure that can be reused. So you have some of these pieces of infrastructure that, um, you know, the, the, there could be some long-lasting legacy projects like we saw out of 88, uh, where Calgary became uh, a center of excellence for a number of winter sports after that. But um, is that enough to sell Calgarians? Um, and that's a, that's a tough question. John, we talk about big numbers being thrown around. What are some of the numbers that have been mentioned uh, when it comes to how much would, be, would need to be spent for the Olympics? We're talking about $4.6 billion to host the Games. Uh, they figure that that number could shrink down to about $2.4 billion after all the revenues are taken into place. Let's not forget that the IOC was pledging, you know, we just heard about Los Angeles this week, you know, they were pledging something in the neighborhood, I think, of $2 billion in support uh, to, to get basically Los Angeles to take that, those games off their hands. 
Um, I, I get the sense that, uh, and this is the key thing, out of those five conditions I talked about before, um, you know, the, the idea that taxpayers should not have to cover the operating costs of the games, I think there's a, there might be a sentiment in, in Calgary that we've seen what the infrastructure can do long-term when it comes to being a centre of excellence for winter sport, and so maybe there is an appetite to foot the bill for some of that stuff on a provincial and federal level, but when it comes to uh, the operating costs of the games, and we all know how much the IOC takes in just by running the show, um, I think maybe Calgary might want to hold out. If, if the IOC wants Calgary, uh, Calgary might have a little bit of leverage here to get the IOC to cough up some coin. John Hempy joins us from News Talk 770 in Calgary. And, John, um, the IOC, you highlighted it there. Paris, Los Angeles essentially got the Olympic Games, the Summer Games, by default because no one was really interested in hosting those games except for those two cities. The pool of cities that are bidding for Olympic Games both summer and winter are shrinking. So this here's the question and the proposal. In my mind, since 2016, Rio exhibited that this is the summer games are really too big for just about every city on the planet and there may be only a handful of cities that can pull it off that have the financial and the economic ability to do it and the logistical ability i believe that at some point the ioc is going to have to consider multi-city bids whether it be in a tri-state area in america or maybe something like calgary edmonton winnipeg i'd like to get uh, winnipeg in there but calgary's already told edmonton that they're not interested in having edmonton as a part of that bid correct as far as i understand that that idea has been poo-pooed pretty much is there any possibility john that uh uh that could be reconsidered. I mean, if there is enough of an appetite for that 4.6 or whatever it may be billion dollar price tag, could that be reconsidered? And and on a similar note, I'd be interested in knowing because I know you guys have uh, at News Talk 770 been speaking with a lot of Calgarians regarding this. What is the sentiment? You know, if the games are hosted, do we share it with another city or do we just pay it ourselves? Uh, you know, I think they are so far down the road in terms of looking at what it would take for Calgary to host this, that it, I think that's probably part of the, the thing that's, that's preventing them from looking at a joint bid with Edmonton to a certain extent, is that, I mean, we're really deep down the rabbit hole of Calgary, Calgary, Calgary. Um, I think had, had the idea of a joint bid been something further back, mm-hmm. uh, we might have been having a different conversation right now, but so many, so money has been spent. I mean, you know, these studies and this research don't, you know, they don't come for free. And so a considerable amount, I would say, has been spent to go down this road that we're already down. And so to, to kind of tack on Edmonton at, at this point, I don't think is going to be something that, that is going to be a consideration. I, I get a sense, I mean, you know, I, Winnipeg obviously is, is a bit of a city state. So there's, there's no Hatfield and McCoy thing. I'm from, I've lived in Saskatchewan, I've lived in Alberta, Calgary and Edmonton, Regina and Saskatoon. Those, there's some parallels there where people are kind of like, it, it definitely has that Hatfields and McCoy sense. So I don't know if Calgarians would necessarily be looking for help from Edmonton. I don't know if Edmonton really would want to help out in this case either. So this this really be, this comes down to it. If it's going to happen, it's going to be a Calgary affair. But also, um, you know, in terms of joint bids going down down the road, in that I think even beyond looking at, at joint bids and, and multi-city bids, I think that the IOC probably has to understand that. The world is changing, and mm-hmm. there's there is a level of fiscal conservatism that's kind of seeped its way into a lot of a lot of governments now. And 
the idea of putting up a whole bunch of cash to bring the IOC to town for, for two weeks doesn't necessarily um, light up a lot of people. John, thanks for this. Really appreciate your insight and your knowledge on this topic. We will keep in touch with you as we make our way through the next uh, uh, critical months here in terms of Calgary's decision whether or not to even bid for the 2026 Winter Olympics. Much appreciated, friend. By the way, as a former Manitoba boy, I'm originally from Dauphin. Mm. Uh, I have to say there is nothing better than Winnipeg pizza, so you guys are at the right place today. <laughs> oh, absolutely we are. Thanks, John. We'll, we'll, we'll send you a gift certificate for that next time you're in town. <laughs> Come and see us, all right? John Hempy from Bye-bye. 770 News Talk in Calgary. We'll take a pause and update the weather forecast. It's glorious. And if you want, this is completely up to you. We did one round of this already. 68 seconds for your predictions on the Blue Bomber Hamilton Tiger Cats game tomorrow night, 4 o'clock. Our coverage gets underway. 6.30 is kickoff. 68 seconds if you want to get your predictions in right now at 780-6868. 68 seconds of your predictions when we come back. Fingers crossed. Greg Mackling along with TFJ. We're on the gorgeous rooftop patio at Santa Lucia, number four, St. Mary's Road, right at Marion. Come on down and say hi. Lots of you have done so. We appreciate you doing that. And uh, Jessica Kaminsky has not yet come upstairs, so I wonder Mm. if she still has those tickets to see Blind Boys of Alabama tomorrow night as part of the 680 CGOB Barbecue and Blues Festival. Santa Lucia, St. Mary's Road. Pull in the parking lot. She's there. You'll see the signs there. They're right off the bridge. You cannot miss the 680 CGOB Cruiser, and uh, Jessica's got tickets there. Uh, Hopefully Jessica's okay. We'll have to go check on her after, we after we're done our pizza. Of yeah, oh, of course. Pizza <laughs> is outstanding. As, as our uh, last guest uh, pointed out, uh, no better place to uh, spend an afternoon. John Hempy from Newstalk 770 in Calgary. A dolphin boy. Yeah. Fond memories of Manitoba. I was going to say this about the Olympics, Greg, while we have uh, a few minutes here. You know, this is one of these things that I'm really, really torn on. Uh, I tend to consider myself to be fiscally conservative. Uh, I pay attention to my dollars, and I think... Uh, the government should be wiser when it comes to spending other people's money. Mm-hmm. This is obviously a, r- a wormhole we could go down and never come out of. Yes. But that's my thoughts on this. Having said that, though, I mentioned one of my favorite Canadian moments of all time was when Sidney Crosby scored that goal in overtime during the 2010 Vancouver Olympics against the U.S. in the gold medal men's hockey game. That, that is one of my good. all-time favorite Canadian moments ever. That game, by the way, was at one point or another watched by 26 million Canadians and they estimate that at that very moment there were at least 17 million Canadians That's almost watching unfathomable. That. It's insane. Unfathomable. I can't help when I think about those and I think yeah it's a massive price tag and there's controversy every single time but part of me wonders it's one of the very few things that unites people together. It's one of the very few things that brings people together. We were all cheering for yeah, Canada. Yeah. We were all celebrating and we were so proud to be Canadian. It's a form and a show of patriotism that you don't see often enough in this country. It's very tough to justify a multi-billion dollar price tag mm-hmm, for that. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the moment and when you're involved and you see great, hist- frankly, history-making moments like that, you, you, you can't help but think, yeah, this is a real nice thing to have. But, you know, it's a really, really, really nice thing to have. Yeah, well, on the flip side, millions of Canadians got up in the middle of the night to watch the gold medal match between Team USA and Team Canada from Sochi, Russia. 
Oh, yeah. So it doesn't have to be in Canada for us to get behind Team Canada. Sure. But I understand yeah. that there was certainly a magical moment with Sidney Crosby doing what he did in Vancouver back in 2010. And it was a great game. It was a fantastic game. Yeah. You go, anytime you go to overtime, an Olympic gold medal game, my gosh, I don't know. That's happened just a couple of times. Uh, at least it didn't go to a shootout. That would have been. That would have been. That would have sucked. <laughs> Let's have sucked. be honest. Hey, the Bombers are in action tomorrow night, 6:30 kickoff, 4 o'clock. Our pregame coverage gets underway. And if you need more Bomber talk and you can't get enough of it, check out the Blue Bomber podcast with Doug Brown and yours truly. Thanks for everybody that has downloaded, shared, and subscribed to the podcast. Uh, We've uh, really been uh, very thrilled with the number of people who have participated. And there's also a secret word in every podcast for you to enter the opportunity to win Blue Bomber tickets. And uh, the next Blue Bomber home game comes up Thursday night as the seven, now 7-0 seven and o Edmonton Eskimos come to town to face your Blue Bombers. And by the way, they are 5-0 and o lifetime at IGF. Just saying. Take a pause and uh, Cottage Country weather is next. I love when you feign panic. It's one of my favorite things that you do. Yep. You do it every time there's weather or traffic, and it's funny every time. I don't know well, why. Thank you. But it, but it, it really It helps is. me cope with the stress of... Oh, okay. That's your coping mechanism, is sure. it? Sure. TFJ, Greg Mackling with you on the patio on the rooftop at Santa Lucia, number four, St. Mary's Road. You know where it is, right at the intersection mm. of St. Mary's and Marion. Our good friends Poolens is right next door. No fooling with Poolen. If uh, dial those pests away today. Yeah. <laughs> two, <laughs> two, five, five. No, how, what's mm. the number? Some, I can't two, think of. Five. Call 233250. Two, three, three, two, five, oh, 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 See, no, you just got to sing the song, go. right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Greg, I wanted to mention about this story here. This, it's, it's, today, it's uh, a, a bit of a tragic day in the music world. Ever Why? Heard, ever heard of Le Studio? Of course. Uh, it's this uh, basically quaint little studio. I was located in rural Quebec, north of Montreal. Uh, I don't think there are enough people who are aware of how significant this studio was. Rush used to uh, 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 record there quite a bit. Uh, yes, they did. And uh, April Wine? Uh, I think April Wine might have been oh, one of them. Oh, for yeah. sure, April Wine. Uh, let's see here. Who do we have? Anyway, the fact is that this was uh, this studio, so many gr- big art, not just Canadian artists, artists, period, recorded here. And what happens is it was considered, uh, uh, at the time when it opened in uh, the uh, mid-1970s, it was considered to be one of the most technologically advanced studios of its time, and a lot of recording artists loved it, loved it because of its kind of quaint rural charm. So people like Rush recorded there, Brian Adams, The Police, David Bowie. Why are you repeating David what Bowie. I just said? Hmm? Why are you repeating what I just said? You said Rush, and one well, no, I'm just oh oh okay. Some, You're I, I got a list, list here. Okay. You know, uh, Bare Naked Lady, Celine Dion, Sarah McLaughlin. I mean, it's amazing the big names that recorded here. Well. The studio, unfortunately, has been abandoned since 2008, and earlier today, there is a, what they were, what uh, authorities are calling a suspicious fire, uh, gutted at least half the building. This is really sad because, and I think the most famous example there is, uh, if you look at uh, the video for Tom Sawyer by Rush, their biggest song, that is filmed at Le Studio. Uh, Chicago recorded an album in there too. Nazareth. I mean, it attracted a lot of artists. Okay, you're missing. Oh, because here's see harder, faster. April Wine, the Bee Gees. Right. I mean, for me, that's huge. Ghost in the Machine from the Police was recorded yep. there. One of the biggest albums of the 1980s. And uh, uh, Glass Tiger, Kim Mitchell, Luba, some great uh, Canadian talent. Of course, the Cult, and one of the biggest Canadian albums of all time. 
Corey Hart's Boy in the Box was recorded there, there as well. There you go. So anyway, I just wanted to highlight that this is, it's really, I think it's really quite sad. A piece of Canadian musical history, right? It is a piece right? of Canadian music history, yeah, and it's been abandoned for so long. It's heartbreaking if you see it's pictures inside. Now, but Greg, this does relate to uh, the tickets that we're giving away. What? For Northern Pikes. Oh. Because guess what? The Northern Pikes recorded an album there. They did not. They did record I didn't an think album. they were allowed to leave Saskatchewan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Here we go again. Uh, the Northern Pikes, by the way, uh, they're coming at the Burt, November 23rd. You can win a pair of tickets right now if you call 204-780-6868. But. What do you have to know? A tough trivia question. Okay. Which album did the Northern Pikes record at Le Studio in Quebec? Fabulous. Great question. What was the album they recorded at Le Studio in Quebec? I could listen to you say Le Studio. Well, uh, and I'm like saying it the over, French way. Because over and over again. It's... You know, it's a Say it one more time. Le studio, oh. just for you, Greg. Oh. Calm down. So romantic. That's interesting. So um, call 204-780-6868. Talk to Jeff Forche. I'm desperately trying to block out the last few words that Greg Mackling just said. <laughs> because we've got weather coming up next, right, Jeffrey? Save me here. That's correct. Thank you, Jeffrey. And there's Wait. sports, I think. Oh, sports, and there's Don't a bunch of other stuff. sports news. I'm going to find another table in the meantime. Weather. Alrighty. The studio. Weather up next. All right, so no McGarry today, TFJ instead. No Mackling Monday, no Backling Tuesday, no McGarry Monday, no McGarry Tuesday. So that means it's TFJ and Kelly Moore Monday, Tuesday, then Brett is back. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be interesting. I think I think you're with McGarry the following week as well, aren't you? Part of the following week, yes. And then for that week, I'm bouncing all over the place. I know I'm producing a bomber game, and then I'm, I don't know. <laughs> are, you, are we supposed to feel sorry for you because you have a job? No, not okay, really. Good. I just don't know what the heck's going on anymore. Okay, good, good. Hey, uh, thanks for taking some time with us today, whether you've been with us from the get-go when we were talking about uh, Mount Manitoba and the four individuals you would honour, virtually, figuratively, or physically. Uh, go to our Facebook page and some great suggestions on uh, the Manitobans that we should honour in a special way. And a big shout-out to Doug, who now has my mind going 100 miles a minute trying to figure out how we could do this digitally on an almost permanent basis. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned Le Studio. Can you say it just one more time, please, Tristan? Le Studio. Oh. Uh, one of our loyal listeners, Dave, uh, reminded us that uh, Rush recorded how many albums at Le Studio? Seven albums, including Moving Pictures, which is probably their most famous one. That has Tom Sawyer and uh, Limelight on it and uh, Red Barchetta, like some of their most famous songs. Uh, wh which video were you saying was uh, filmed there? Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer. It was actually filmed at the studio, so if you're wondering what it, uh, what it looked like, what it looked like uh, just a good look in there. Okay, and I wanted to take that that opportunity dovetail it into. Uh, I like to tell you about documentaries. You and I have talked about the Defiant ones. I've been trying to tell you to see that along with Sonic Highways. Oh yes, uh, for yes, Dave yes, yes. Grohl and the Foo Fighters, the eight-part series. Uh, but on Netflix, I'm almost certain you can still get Muscle Shoals. 
It's a documentary about Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Mm. Small town in the middle of nowhere that didn't have one but two world-class recording studios in it. And some of the best performers from around the world would come and record there. Uh, if you're a music buff, that along with the Wrecking Crew, outstanding yep. entertainment in terms of the history of music in America. We've also been talking about the incredible things to do this weekend mm. in and around the city. Don't forget about Folklorama. And course. another F word I'll share with you, Fargo. One of our loyal listeners texted and said that there is an incredible... Um, competition, pyrotechnics competition happening in Fargo, and the grand finale is tonight. So I know, you know, going to Fargo at the last minute might, might, might not be an option, but it may be for some of you looking for something to do. And some sad news just coming across the wire right now. I found it on Twitter from BBC News. The world's oldest man has died. And his story is inspiring, and now his passing is, is sad. He's an Auschwitz survivor, Israel Christel. He was 113. He's Polish-born. He died today, a month before he was due to turn 114, Israeli media has reported. Mr. Christel, who lived in Haifa, Israel, hit the headlines last year after he decided to celebrate his bar mitzvah a century late on his 113th birthday. That's amazing. The original celebration had not taken place. Why? Because World War One yeah. broke out. Uh, Mr. Christel was the only surviving member of his family uh, due to the Holocaust. You know, that is really remarkable just thinking i mean put it this the average life expectancy of a, of a human being in canada i believe is 81 years old today um what's remarkable is i believe the oldest person ever was a french woman who lived 123 years old my word think of this if she retired at 65 she spent <laughs> almost half her life half her life in retirement mm-hmm just think about that for a second. It's mm, great. Well, plus probably the first 16 or 17 years of her life that she maybe didn't work. So Right, exactly. But just I, 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 I find that absolutely remarkable. You know, by the time that most people have passed on, she still has another 40 years to go. Yeah, you know, the probably she was so busy doing stuff well into her hundreds. That's why she lived so and she, long. And she was a smoker, too. She enjoyed chocolate. But it kind of flies in the face of conventional wisdom of, wait a minute, this woman had a bunch of bad habits. And no yet, guarantees, man. 123 years Nothing's old. guaranteed for any of us including locking your car and setting your emergency brake <laughs> because you're trying to make sure a bear doesn't steal it. Or poop inside. Oh, my goodness. Share the story, Tristan. Okay, and, and Greg pointed this out. This is from the New York Post here. A bear broke into an SUV and took it for a joyride in Colorado before crashing it, trashing the, trashing the interior, and pooping inside, according oh to news my. reports. Uh, the bear hijacked the Subaru uh, from uh, a, a resident early today likely releasing the parking brake and causing the vehicle to roll down the driveway and crash into a utility box and the mailbox. This is according to the Durango Herald. The ruckus uh, woke uh, Ron Cornelius, who uh, owns the car. What was his, his name? Ron Cornelius? Ron Cornelius. <laughs> sure. Ron like, Cornelius. Like Soul Train? Ron sure. Cornelius. Woke Ron Cornelius and his wife as they dashed outside to find the total SUV and called 911, <laughs> fearing humans were still inside. They, the couple didn't see the bear, but they did find the steering wheel and the radio ripped out, the back window broken, and telltale bear poop left behind. <laughs> Scat. Who knew that bears could drive? 
Uh, they can't. Clearly, he crashed the car. <laughs> he tried to drive. <laughs> of that idea. And as a little parting gift, here's some of my exports, yeah, yeah, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he can't drive. That's the whole point. Speaking of driving, hopefully you're doing a little bit better than the bear did. Uh, we have ripped your steering wheel off if you're on Route 90 right now. Uh, yeah, hopefully uh, no one's uh, pulling off to the side for any other reasons. Uh, <laughs> we will let you know how things are on the streets of Winnipeg. We'll update your fabulous weather forecast. And then... Uh, we're going to uh, say farewell to uh, a really good friend in uh, just a few moments. Keith McCullough and Julie Buckingham will join us. Stick around and find out who we're saying goodbye to and why as we move towards the news at 4 o'clock. It's Greg Mackling and Tristan Field-Jones from Santa Lucia Pizza on St. Mary's Road. You will hear my voice on this radio station Monday, even though I'm on holidays. Uh-oh. Going to be at the Cardiac Classic in support of Cardiac Research at St. Bonavis Hospital. Looking forward to that. And uh, we'll be cutting in from there throughout the day just to let you know how things are going and to thank our sponsors for that. And on Sunday, I uh, will be joined, I think for the last time, by a young man who has become one of my best friends, my confidant, my baby brother, Keith McCullough. Keith is doing his last full shift here at 680 CJOB as he moves on to something new in his life. And Keith, I'm trying not to get emotional here, so it's a good thing you're not across from me. I just wanted to take a, a moment here just to thank you for everything you've done for me along the way, shown the old guy the ropes around 680 CJOB. And as much as I've taken you under my wing in certain respects, you've done the same for me, my friend. And uh, I love you very much. I'm going to miss you. I love you too. And you know, everyone should know that I am, uh, I'm just moving permanently to uh, fulfill my quest of getting the peacocks around Winnipeg. <laughs> Locked, Here we go again. Under control. So that's, really? that's where I'm going. I'm going to uh, peacock start, control to start up a new department at the city of Winnipeg to keep peacocks in a cage. The department of peacocks and wild turkeys. <laughs> now for as much as we'd like to uh, find out what's going on in the news, uh, our executive producer at 680 CJB put together a little bit of an audio tribute to Keith, some of his best finer moments oh, and we there were... may even be peacocks involved <laughs> jeff forche without further ado palliser just with two very long hugs for his two daughters beside the stage here he's up on the stage now greeting all of the candidates i can see him pumping his fist getting everyone whipped up here it's a frenzy brian 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 And Kim, I'm at the corner of Stafford and Hector looking down here at a gun believed to be the gun in question dropped by the suspect or suspects this morning. It looks like maybe a 9mm. Now, right now, police telling us to back up. They have forensics on scene here. They're taking photos. It looks like they may be getting ready to remove this piece of evidence. The agony of defeat. That's where 680 CJOB's Keith McCulley is. Keith. Richard, Teresa Oswald just taking the stage. A handshake here and a hug for Greg South. They're on the stage together. The lab is named Coco. It's officially been labeled a dangerous dog by the city. After that, a woman from the West End will make her case for keeping a hog at her house. 
She says the neighbors love her unusual pet. It's friendly, affectionate. You know, the next step for me for the zoo is to put all the peacocks in oh, cages. <laughs> He's got a peacock fear, That Rich. are out there. I know Journey to Churchill, great thing. Let's spend a little extra money, conservancy. <laughs> Let's get the peacocks locked up at the zoo, put them in a cage if people want to see them, and then uh, I think the visitors will go up even further. I am not alone. In my phobia of peacocks. Oh, yes, you are, Macaulay. Why are yes, they you running are. free at a Cinnaboyne Park Zoo? <laughs> All right. I gotta know. Hang on. Shutting his mic off. <laughs> the peacocks, man. <laughs> Keith, what, what's going on there? I mean, is there some oh, like was there some sort of childhood trauma with no, peacocks that you just, don't want? It took on a life of its own after a few comments I made way back I when. Need a, I need a tissue though, because that's Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah, music the, in there. Everyone should know out there I am fully healthy and you know I'm, <laughs> I was a little concerned about I, your uh, health there. I and I'm not really moving on to to uh work with the peacocks. I am uh, I'm leaving the uh, the biz as we say at least for now and will be attending law school, so a new chapter for me as I uh kind of move to hopefully a, a new future career, but certainly it has been working with you Greg and and believe it or not, you too Tristan Field Jones and of course Julie Buckingham a real th- every single day to have the opportunity and all the listeners out there to be able to talk to them so uh, i don't want to make anything about me but uh because you guys already did uh thank you so much to everyone out there for uh, allowing me to be a little part of your day for the last boy i guess six and a half years or so mm-hmm. one of your first assignments was downtown at portage in maine when the rumors uh, started to spread about the nhl returning to winnipeg and of course that has uh, brought you and i uh, very close together including our we, adventure. we essentially met there. that's right that's <laughs> now, a good point I, and i don't want to give too much away but yep. i was down there looking for people to talk to the day that the news was it, it was sort of debunked temporarily and then a few days later it all became official that yeah. the nhl was coming back and i was down there looking to talk to people partying at portage in maine and i stuck a microphone in greg mackling's face no not way. knowing the face and he said ah, i don't know if i if you should interview me i actually do some work with cjob <laughs> And uh, that's where everything basically started, isn't it, Greg? Yeah, it is. And then, that's of so course, cool. our legendary week in New York and uh, so much in between. Uh, proud of you, buddy. You're going to make an amazing lawyer. And uh, our, our city is so much better for having you as a part of it uh, because it would have been very, very easy for you to move away and go somewhere else. But we're just glad that uh, you're remaining in Winnipeg. Really not a whole lot of time to... Let us know what's happening in the news. Julie, can you give us uh, the synopsis in 15 seconds? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. And uh, Dr. <laughs> Joss Ryan will uh, join us at 4.07 to talk about the issues uh, surrounding fentanyl. We have a lot more to talk about. Uh, there is a brand new bus service that is going to be coming to Winnipeg. We'll discuss that. Barbecue and Blues Fest, an update on a Canadian and Winnipeg country singer who is uh, now making a life in Nashville. And I'm sure we'll uh, talk to Keith more about his time here at 680 CJOB nah, as I well. I don't know about that. Think about what your favorite story was. That's that's my question to you. Ooh, Ooh that's tough. Yeah, okay. so you got some time We to got three that. hours. We'll try to figure it out. That's all the time that we have. Keith, Julie, from 4 till 7, TFJ, thanks for everything this week, This was brother. a great week, Greg. It was have a lot a great of fun. couple of weeks without me. Jeffrey Forche, who's already whispered in my ear, guys, we got to go. We got to go. We'll do that. We'll update your cottage country forecast and then business before the news.